0: Welcome back, pursuers. What are you up to, Erica?
1: Oh my goodness, it's my birthday month, September.
0: Are you excited? I am. Are
1: you gonna do something I, fun?
0: Um,
1: you know, I don't know. We're gonna get to see each other soon.
0: I know. That's what we should do. We, do. Have we a should totally and... like party, like get lit, but like uh, in a Christian no. way. You know, because like, we're like the light of the world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and we know that a lot of people right now are starting school, so getting into the swing of things. Yeah. It's, it's good. September is just kind of prepping us for our good old fall. So many people love fall.
0: And dude, what is that? Like October, September, November, like four months before Christmas. <laughs>
1: It's going to come so fast, like we always say it is.
0: It is. Um, And so, you know what? We're just going to take it one week at a time. And Mm -hmm. so, um, but we are now, speaking of going one week at a time, but we are now on our second episode when it comes to our What is a Woman series. And so, if you missed it, last episode, we kicked it off. And we are addressing three things that stood out to us from Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? And so if you're just tuning in, we talked a little bit about truth and whether it can be subjective or not. So if you haven't already listened, please make sure that you go check that out.
1: Yes, so we are going into our second theme, which is the theme of really the entire film, uh, What is a Woman? And I have to admit, it does seem a bit silly to even take the time to discuss this since Mm -hmm. for all of history, there was really no confusion about what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman. But more recently, culture has really been trying to redefine what womanhood and uh, manhood is. And so this is one of the reasons Matt Walsh set out to find the answers by meeting with um, medical professionals, doctors, clinicians, and others even on the street just to see what answers he would get. And he even went to a women's march where he figured someone for sure would be able to answer that question. But he was continuously met with people who either could not answer or refused to answer, or if they did respond, They used that circular definition that we talked about the other day. So um, basically saying a woman is a person who identifies as a woman.
0: Yeah, it's just just an interesting documentary. I mean, there is this bizarre exchange that Matt Walsh has with someone, you know, who he's asking the question, what is a woman? And the person um, says, well, I cannot define what a woman is because I am not one. And actually, that happens pretty consistently throughout the film. And so Matt, in his uh, sarcasm, right, you know, he just kind of pushes back and he's like, well, are you a cat? Can you tell? And the person obviously is not a cat, right? So they're like, no. And he's like, well, can you tell me what a cat is? you know, and then of course, the person just like walks away. Yeah. But, you know, all I keep thinking is about just like you said, Erica, like, there's never really been a lot of confusion about this. But there's so much confusion about this now. And it's to me, it's actually a subject that's not confusing at all. And it reminds me a little bit of um. in even though this is a little bit out of context. And so I just want to highlight that. But there's a a principle in a uh, first Corinthians chapter 14, when Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church about order of worship. And he's more specifically addressing the issue of tongues, but he actually reveals a truth about God there that I think is worth mentioning. And it's that he says in verse 33, that God is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of peace. Right. And so this whole confusion thing is not of God.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this the last time that a lot of this seems to be that truth is being based on experience, not necessarily truth. And Mm -hmm. I really believe that whether someone believes in God or not, our biological makeup, our anatomy points to very distinct differences between males and females. So if we were to ask the question directly about the biology of men and women, it's so odd that we can't seem to even put truth on that. And I say we, just society as a whole seems to be confused about that piece.
0: Yeah. And I mean, of course, like, I'm not a biology major. In fact, I am I'm pretty sure I didn't take biology in in, in college because I wanted to take, I thought I was going to be the easy way out and took geology and that turned out to not be as easy either. Um, But, you know, just the way that, like you said, our, our biological makeup is, you know, what we do know is that we have a, a sex chromosome that tells us, you know, what our our, our sex is. There are external and internal anatomies uh, that men and women have that are totally different and have different functions. Um, we have menstrual cycles. Men do not have menstrual cycles, um, mm-hmm. and so even in that, um, which even that is purposeful, right? Like the essentially the purpose of of those cycles are to prepare women's bodies for the release of an, of an egg, you know? And then um, we do know that men and women actually both have breasts, but only women can lactate. I was um, not that anyone cares about this, but maybe they do, but I was uh, reading that um, there are some men that can lactate, but
1: that oh, interesting
0: in those, those cases are very rare and they're mm-hmm. usually due to a medical uh, uh, anomaly. That's the word mm-hmm. I was looking for.
1: Yeah, I just don't feel like it's arbitrary. You, If you really take time to consider the reality of our physical makeup, it's so precise and really so beautiful that it does truly express God's glory in how mm. women were made and, and men were made. These characteristics to God's design are, for both men and women are very unique. And beautiful. So let's just take some time for a minute to take the stroll down Genesis lane. Those of you who are listening, pretty sure you're very familiar with this, but we thought that we would take it back to the basics again, because if we believe the Bible is true, then we can trust what God's revelation says regarding the origins of life and yeah. so let's just walk down this lane for a minute and remind ourselves for those who may be confused because honestly i'll, I'll just say this real quick and then I, and then i'll read the verses um that relate to this topic but i don't even know if the confusion is so much about what the bible says it's really a lot of the confusion from the christian's perspective is really coming from how do we approach those who are confused with it, it's the approach that I think a lot of us Christians are really getting confused with, mm. um, and then um, using experience and hearing stories make us somehow kind of stray away from what the Bible says and start thinking about things of like maybe something isn't the way it said it is, and so again, this is why we wanted to take it here, park it for just a minute, and just see, okay, let's go back to the basics of what Scripture says about our creation as men and women. So if you go to Genesis chapter two. Verse 7, then the Lord formed the man from dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And then you jump to verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then if you jump to verse 20, it says, And brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then verse 24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed.
0: Amen. I love that. Obviously, we hear what the Bible says about this, and so if men and women were created with a unique design, um, within a unique design, then what were they designed to do? And more specifically, what was the woman designed to do? And so Genesis chapter one details the account of creation. And, uh, like, um, you just read and on the sixth day, it says that God creates living creatures according to their kind while animals livestock. And in verse 28, he says this, he says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then in verse 31, he says, God sought that all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Um, and so, um, so, you know, so what were they designed to do? Well, they were designed to be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground.
1: Yeah, so as we could see here, like women were made to be a helper and that was uniquely for the woman. God had said that it was not good for man to be alone and therefore he created specifically a being that was meant to be the helper. And that was us, the women, uh, to do that. And I think a lot of times we lose sight of that, that can come across as something negative in today's culture, that we're just there to help a man. We're not there to to necessarily lead. I think it's actually a beautiful thing that Mm -hmm. God designed us specifically to do a, a certain task that he felt worthy and of value to do and gave us the skills to do those types of things, to be a helper, so it's beautiful to be a part of that, and that's uniquely something to womanhood that we were created to be a helper to the man
0: I, I I love that you you mentioned that because I do think that part of the challenge is that we see the word helper may come across as something that it's not. and I feel like we need to redeem that again. like being a helper, it's a good thing. I don't know if I mentioned this before in the podcast, but um, We have a guy at the church who, when he was in high school, I happened to give him a ride somewhere and he was getting ready to graduate. And so I had asked him, I said, you know, like, how do you see yourself um, leading at the church, you know, or serving the church? And he said, I'm really good at helping. Mm. And I thought, I've never heard someone say that they're really good at helping and that that's their leadership capacity and it just always stayed with me because like this guy literally is what, who makes like the worship function on Sundays because his leadership ability is to help what does Jesus calls us to do to be followers of Christ so there's a a lot of value on that and then also I do want to point out and this thought just came to me that the helper is the maternal instinct of God Himself? Who does He leave us with? The Holy Spirit. What is? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the Helper. Yes. Now, now is the Helper less valuable than the Son or the Father? No. And and oh my gosh, the Lord is like literally just pointing these stuff out to me. Like, and who did who anchored this creation story that you just read, Erica? Who does He say He created us? Like He said He created us in. God's image. His image, yeah. so the helper, the Holy Spirit, all of these things are one and the same, and we get to we get to be that like that's cool yeah. that God designed us in that way. um I would also say that you know there's that other piece of being fruitful and um f- increasing a in number and filling the earth and and I wanted to just talk a little bit about this because I think we are currently living in a in a culture that tells us or essentially leads us to believe that having and raising children is an inconvenience when it's actually a really important part of the creation story. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have been reading this book called "Even Exile" by um, Rebecca Merkel, and. Um, She says this, and I'm like, I can't even think of a better way of saying this. And she's talking specifically about women's design. And she says, on a physical level, Women are designed to have babies. Everything about us is meant for mothering, from being sexually attracted to men in the first place, to being able to conceive, to the ability to weave together another little human inside of us without even trying, to the breasts that feed the baby, to all the mothering instincts that are hardwired into us, We live with the reality of our fertility monthly. This is not a minor part of our design. It is our design. And the Mm. feminist agenda has been systematically attempting to separate women from their creational purpose in this regard for the last century or more. I love the word creational purpose because I... It's true. This is not a minor part of our identity. This is a major part of how we were physically designed. And, you know, the creation story reminds us that this mandate to populate the earth is a mandate to fill the earth with other image bearers. And that Mm. that is all part of God's plan.
1: Yeah. And some may say, well, then like, what about those who physically cannot bear children? I'd Mm. say jesus always honored the person who gave out of what they had and not what they didn't have and so focusing more so on that
0: yeah absolutely and i think it goes back to um that tendency of us to you know i always think of of uh because i hear this a lot like unfortunately a lot more than i wish i would like people and i know i've used this example before but it's the one that comes to mind You know, of like someone saying, well, what happens to the paraplegic who can't raise his hands in worship? Okay, well, just because a person who doesn't have arms um, cannot physically lift their arms in worship doesn't mean that you who have arms shouldn't lift your hands and worship right (laughs) yeah and so for me it's exactly what you said it's not about what we don't have the fact that someone for whatever reason and we see in scripture that there were all kinds of women who were barren that didn't make them less women I think the point that we're making and I know that you're you're also making Mm -hmm. Erica is that um, part of our design as women we were specifically set apart and called out to be able to bear children but It is not something we can do alone. We need the man to be able to to do this. And and so the beauty of this is when a man and a woman bring what God has given both of them. So again, they bring what they have
1: Mm -hmm. to create
0: this miracle that we call life.
1: Yeah. And as believers, I'd say that we can fulfill this mandate through things like adoption as well, or even yeah. through discipleship. Those who are not moms yet, and maybe there's still uh, the Great Commission for you, uh, aside from one of these attributes that God's given us, uh, our bodies to do. Um, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, right? Jesus commands us to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always at the very end of age. So we can bear fruit and multiply by growing the family of God. It doesn't even necessarily need to be our family. Although, like you said, that is something that's uniquely designed for our bodies as women
0: yeah that's so good uh, and then the other piece of it is you know so first is you know we were created to be helpers the next thing is we were to uh created to fill the earth to multiply um both physically and spiritually and then the last thing was to subdue the earth and um you know i I'm not necessarily sure that subduing the earth is something that's just unique to women because this was a command that was given to both Adam and Eve. But what I will say is that um the the word uh subdue, and I was I was reading that in Hebrew it means kavash and that it it means to place your foot on the neck of your conquered enemy and bring them under complete control, which by the way, you know, he does say and during the curse that he was gonna put an enmity between the woman and the enemy and it is through the woman right that jesus comes and he tramples on the enemy and so we see creation old testament new testament um essentially coming together and um what i was gonna say is that you know to to subdue means uh for us to take Well, i think it means Two to three things. One is to lead with authority, also to manage, um, to steward the things that have been given to us, because again, we were supposed to steward creation, um. But then, from the perspective of womanhood, it also means that it's not just one thing to multiply the earth, but then we also have the responsibility to raise our children in in a way that's consistent with our our, our purpose.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. One of the things I want to bring up that I think can often be said back, um, and you know, as we continue to improve science as a society, there can be a point where some of these things that we say are just part of our biology can be created for men to do. I know this sounds super crazy, but with our technology, let's just say, what if 50 years from now, men can actually have babies? Uh, uteruses can actually be implanted into their bodies um, and there are ways to configure the the birthing cycle for them and whatnot um, then where does truth fall where does this scripture fall what would you say to that
0: okay well no you know what is it what a loaded question I <laughs> I think that I would, I don't even think it's going to be 50 years from now. I mean, I think I actually literally heard someone, I think on TikTok or something. It was somewhere on social media. And what got me was not just what they were saying, but it was essentially how they were saying it. They said, well, you know, there was a little bit of, um, I don't know. uh, Intention if the way it was said, but it was kind of like, well, I want to see what these people are going to say. Ha, 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 ha. You know, when um, technology basically gets rid of all these biological arguments. And honestly, Erica, um, I think that's true. I would still say that's fine, but it's but it's man-made. It's not the way that God designed it. And just because someone believes that it's right, it doesn't make it true. And I go back to what you told me, Erica, when you first um i mean essentially introduced Christ to me you know truth is life and you had said right hannah hey, said there's a winning team here you know and um and Jesus already has victory and you told me you know you just have to decide what team you want to be a part of and <laughs> at the end of the day we can in our humanness continue to try to defy truth we can continue to try to build our own our own altars and our own towers. Um, But Jesus and the truth will ultimately prevail.
1: Amen. So aside from the biological traits that are unique to men and women, we also know that our basis as Christian women and followers of Christ is from Scripture. And we talk a little bit about that today. You know, there's something so beautiful and sobering in understanding God's purpose and design for us. And if you read scripture, you'll find what we share today, that women are a pretty significant part of God's divine plan and something that is important. Um, We bring in both being able to multiply and then also to help these unique qualities that God created in us that are important in regards to what God wants to do. Mm. So taking this back to today's society, we may hear a lot of noise regarding who we are as women, and I really believe that we just need to stay in our lane. We have so much to bring to the table, and we shouldn't need to feel like we need to act like a man in order to bring something to the table, because what God has made us for and the way he's designed us is not just good, he says it's very good. Yeah, that's good. So pursuers this week, we challenge you to meditate on God's word and continue to ask God to show you the beauty in womanhood. And we know this is just part of the conversation, not the full conversation, but we hope this conversation sparks some thoughts in you on who you are as a woman. We hope you have a wonderful week and let's stand for truth, pursuers.